Hey, everybody, get ready for an informative episode from Parents' Rights in Education. I'm Suzanne Gallagher, and I'm looking forward to our time together. We stand and defend the fundamental rights of all parents to raise their children and firmly believe children belong to their families, not the state, not the teachers, the teachers' union, or any other bureaucrat. I invite you to visit our website, parentsrightsined.org. Sign up to receive our news alerts. Like our Facebook page. Join or form a Parents' Rights and Education affiliate chapter. Making your voice heard is always easier with others. Just grab a couple friends and you're there. We will help with training, information, branding, and contact referrals. Let's start a Facebook group for you. Submit the chapter inquiry form on our website, parentsrightsined.org. Kate Bowers, this is such a pleasure to finally get together and your book has been launched. How exciting is that? Yes. Tell us a little bit about you now and why you decided you needed to write a book. I've been teaching in public schools for over 20 years. I taught in Colorado for quite a while. I've taught in Oregon for quite a while. So I have this unique perspective of working in a state that did not require mandatory union dues and one that did, uh, which would be Oregon. And just working between the two states and having this long span of a career was really significant changes um, started happening and changes that made my job more stressful less joyful and it really felt like there was some invisible hand um, just forcing things on teachers and I it was so frustrating and I wanted to know what was going on because whatever these policies were were not good for teachers and definitely not good for the students that I care about mm-hmm. and so I decided to take a leave of absence and I traveled the United States and I, I talked to teachers and I said what what do you see going on in your school how are you feeling about education what what are you seeing and so many teachers have were experiencing the same things that I was my theory was that they didn't understand their teachers union very well and mm-hmm. that was really the the crux and the main um, point of my questions for them because I I felt like that maybe was one of the power players making these decisions in education. So, so Kate, what grade were you teaching? When I decided to write the book, I was teaching third grade at that time. So that's what, an eight, eight years old? Yes, eight and nine year olds. They're so cute, eight and nine years old. These kids are just a riot. I, we have grandchildren and they are so funny um, very honest, yes, and had so much energy and uh, a little bit feisty. It's important to understand when we're talking about a certain grade level. A lot of people don't have children, but they're very concerned about this issue. Mm-hmm. And um, we need to remind them when we talk about the grade level what the actual age of the child is, because it's it's astonishing uh, what some of these curriculums are teaching. At, at these grade levels, they're inappropriate things that they're teaching and they're doing it for a reason. So I want you to remind us of the title of your book because as we're doing this interview, we want people to be looking it up 
Um, I know it's on Amazon. Yes, it's available as paperback and as an ebook. The title is Publicly Schooled, One Teacher's Unsettling Discoveries. It's available on Amazon, also Kobo, Scribd, um, Barnes and Noble, Apple Books, um, really several places. Fantastic. You could probably teach a class now on how to self-publish. Oh my goodness. I've learned so much. <laughs> it's been quite a journey. So, okay. So you were traveling around and I remember you told me um, previously that you always wanted to be a teacher. Yes. Like, ever since you were a small uh, child, you played with your, with your stuffed animals and you taught them and, you know, and, and I, I remember playing school with a friend of mine. She wanted to, but she was the teacher and I was the student. And I think there are a lot of teachers who, who agree with you, who are, feel the same way you do. Did you, did you catch that when you were making your interviews? Oh, certainly. And even not just in interviews, but just in conversations through the years with coworkers. Yes, absolutely. A lot of us just, we just knew. I remember though, one of my classmates in high school saying, wait, you're going to be a teacher? I mean, he was so excited to get out of school and I was going to go spend more time in school. <laughs> but uh, but it was, it's always been a good fit for me and I've loved it. So what was the first um, indication that, that caught your attention? What, what was kind of the breaking point where you went, oh my gosh, this is unacceptable? It was so subtle. I, I don't know that I can point to one really all of a sudden moment, but subtly over time, especially with the discipline issues escalating and slowly realizing it didn't matter if I wrote an office referral anymore, there were no consequences. There was no support from the from administration with difficult discipline issues. And this is- What did those issues look like? I mean, what for those of us who, who may not have children in school, what was happening? Because sure. I heard some stories also from parents. It mm -hmm. really escalated dramatically, I know, in uh, Westland Wilsonville School District. Yes. So, of course, there's, I mean, they're, they're kids. As you said, they're, they're eight and nine years old, seven, five, whatever grade they're in. And they, they, they're learning how to be good people. And you need to train them and gently show them and guide them ways to go. So there's always some mm -hmm. misbehaviors happening in the classroom. But what occurred was when the, the bigger behaviors where you really needed supportive administration, um, maybe to write an office referral because maybe another child was hit or um, there's blatant defiance um, and not a respect for authority mm -hmm. or these kind of like kind of bigger things that really need more attention and parent involvement. Their behavior was not being addressed in a way that encouraged them to choose better. It, mm -hmm. Because if you're, for example, the kids would go down to the office and um, maybe play with Legos or Play-Doh for a little while and get a little talking and then, and, then, and then come back. But in the past, there might be, um, for instance, if there's a, maybe a child that gets hit and the, the, the child that hit the other child would, you know, you call home, you write an office referral, parents are involved, you're probably going to miss a few recesses, maybe there's an apology letter, and it's pretty serious, like we don't want kids getting hit anymore. No, that is not acceptable behavior. No. But one, so the thing that, ha that this is what the switch was, 
one of my students had hit another student on the playground. This student was on a point card system. And as long as he met his percentage on the point card for that day, he would still go home with a prize. So what happened was the school had called home and said, hey, we hit someone on the playground. But then he also came home that same day with the prize. And so the parent called back to the school and said, wait a minute, <laughs> aren't you... Why aren't you helping my child understand what is right and the right thing to do and giving him a consequence? Why aren't you disciplining him? And they were very upset. They were rightly so. They were upset. And I was upset too because I agreed. Like there shouldn't be a prize sent home with a student who has hit another child. Even if it's in recess, even if it's during recess, which it would more likely be, right? Yeah, it was during recess. More freedom on the playground. It harms the rest of the students also in the classroom. Um, you know, if you're a parent, you understand that because you have the dynamics of, you know, all different age groups. I mean, if you have more than, you know, one child, there's going to be rivalry and one is older than the other and, th you know, things like that that go on. It's just natural. It doesn't matter if they're in school or at home. I believe that trust and accountability uh, and security depend on strong discipline, rules that are always upheld. And children feel more secure, and I do too as an adult, you know? When you know if, if the speed limit is 60 and all these cars are passing me, and they're going 80 or 85, which does happen on the freeway frequently, that, that there has to be uh, some accountability. Is it really 60? For the most part, everybody should be accountable because we're all in this together. So we should all obey and respect authority and the rules so that we, you know, everybody's on the same plane. And that does provide security, especially for children uh, in a very positive way. And they strive to achieve knowing that, you know, this is how we do it here. What were the results of uh, this lack of discipline? And I, I heard stories, um, about different methods that the teachers were required to use that just appalled me. Uh, one was, well, if there's an outbreak from one child and, and they were literally clearing the room, the classroom of all of the other students and allowing the perpetrator to stay in the classroom. Have you heard of that methodology and is there a term for it? Oh yes, it is known as a room clear and Yes, that was something I think probably just within the last um, five to six years that's become very commonplace. And it seems, well, it is very backwards for the naughty child to really end up with the power to do that. Wow, look, if I misbehave, I can get everybody to leave the room. There's a um, definitely power struggles that happen sometimes. And now this, this child gets the idea that they can control the, the adults, they can control their classmates. And these classmates seeing this go on day after day after day, it breeds. And even in the example I gave you with the, the, the child on the playground who hit another child and then his classmates see him go home with a prize. They know he hit someone and he goes home with a prize and they behaved all day. They don't get a prize for doing the work. So other kids, it breeds more misbehavior. Other kids start right. acting up that wouldn't otherwise act up. Mm -hmm. And so this is where 
we get this escalation in schools across the nation of these behavior issues because they're they're getting away with it and it just just the school just gets worse and worse and worse as these behaviors are allowed to go unchecked and like you're saying the security um, the security disappears so for teachers it's crazy we're hearing you know we need to provide these secure environments at our schools and I'm thinking these kids are getting traumatized at school because no because there's no support for teachers with these really tough behaviors um, and there's no consequences and so the, like the roof's coming off um, Right. There's doors slamming, kids running and screaming down the halls. Um, and it's just, it's just the misbehavior breeds more misbehavior. The kids stop respecting authority. It really becomes a very toxic, very dangerous for kids and teachers. Absolutely. So you, can, you can imagine why I, I got to this point of frustration and saying, I want to know what's going on. I want to know why I'm being told um, to handle discipline this way. Actually, not to handle, being told that um, I'm not allowed to handle discipline in certain ways that I used to, that, that were more firm consequences and gave boundaries. I actually was told uh, in one instance that um, by an administrator, this is a serious issue. I was like, I wanted to write an officer for because it was worthy of that. But I thought, why am I going to waste my time? There's not going to be a consequence. And I was told, well, there's no blood, so there's nothing we can do about it. Oh, what? Yes. You know, yes. and it's so disruptive to the instruction. I mean, you can't, the, so the other children literally, they're, they're learning the wrong thing. I mean, they're, they're, the, the reward system is totally broken. They begin to think, I, if I were a student, I think, well, I don't even really have to learn anything. All I need to do is make a ruckus, you know, in class, and then they're, she's gonna clear the room. And wow, this is fun. It's just, it's almost like teaching them how to riot or something. Where are we getting our guidelines? Who, who's dreaming this up? This does not make sense. It's not basic to even human nature. Um, it's sort of like the new, you know, hot um, thing to do is to, to address these situations from a different perspective, but it's not working. Right, there definitely is a philosophy that says behavior is just instinctual and you can't do anything about it. You know, I'm just a product of my environment and it's instinct and I, I can't do anything about it. And I, if you really drill down, I feel like that's the philosophy that's driving a lot of these bad policies. But obviously it's not true, we have a choice and kids have a choice and that's where the training and the guidance and that healthy loving discipline comes in. When we say to a child, I, I care so much about you, I want what's best for you. I tell my students, I, I love you enough to help you go the a right direction. I want you to be the best person you can be. They, the kids aren't, aren't getting that message. They're really being made to, to play a victim role. Like, oh, I, I can't do anything about it. This is my situation. And it, it's just, it's so unhealthy. And it's somebody else's fault. Yes. You know, I wouldn't if I didn't, you know, this and that. And um, gee, you know, I don't know, 50 years ago, that would never have been allowed. My mother, uh, who grew up on a ranch in Idaho, her dad was a cattle rancher, and she was the youngest of six, only girl, he gave the land 
to the community to build a one-room schoolhouse. All the grades, so all these kids, it'd be like you, you know, rounded up all the neighborhood kids and say, one teacher for all these grades. Now you could not teach children in a situation like that unless you had some very strict discipline guidelines about talking and you know bothering another student you know all these things because you have all these different grade levels you know and the idea that you're not responsible for your own actions that you can't take personal responsibility you can't control yourself that sets up children for a lot of problems later in life and employers are are noticing this that these young people are coming to work with high expectations, demanding pay, but also demanding um, time off. And, and uh, they don't understand that uh, there is a proving time. How is this detrimental to their success in life and in the work world and becoming uh, independent? Isn't that what we're trying to do for them? Help them to you know, get along so that they can get ahead. To, to nurture in them self-discipline. If we're not helping kids respect authority and make good choices and know how to make a good choice, even when it's difficult, their, their futures are going to be destructive. It'll be self-destructive. You know, children are born selfish. <laughs> we all are, yes. We all are. <laughs> we have two needs. We have the need to have our diapers changed <laughs> and to eat. I mean, those are the basic two needs, right? When they're hungry and they cry when they, when they have a dirty diaper uh, and they want to be hugged and they want to be loved. Okay, so love, diapers changed <laughs> and fed. And, and then it goes from there. And our role as adults, as parents and also teachers uh, is to instill in them an awareness that they are not the center of the world that the world doesn't revolve around them. It's just beyond me why anyone would want to um, initiate this kind of a discipline policy. Tune in next time for part two from Kate Bowers, author of Publicly Schooled. You won't want to miss it. We'll be discussing comprehensive sexuality education. See you then. Thanks for listening. We'd love to have you join us please fill out the form on our website called Join Us. Oh, and one last thing. Would you be willing to support us financially? We are 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. And that means that you can take a tax deduction for any amount you give. I encourage you to join the 12 by 12 Club. That's $12 a month for 12 months. If you do that, you will receive a complimentary parent guide as long as supplies last. Go to our website, parentsrightsined.org, and click on the Donate button. Thanks so much for joining us and helping us do what we do here. This is Suzanne Gallagher, and this is Parents' Rights. Parents' Rights.